Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. He is the play-by-play radio broadcast voice of the Dallas Mavericks, involved in many things, uh, sports and broadcasting, also a part a Hall of Fame sportscaster. Chuck Cooperstein joins us on 365 Sports with Craig and Paul and I'm David Smoke. Yes, we want to get into college football, but my God, Chuck, we cannot go on too much further at all without the glorious number Game 7 in Houston and what an amazing series this has been. I mean, really, if, if it's possible for the action to actually exceed the hype, it, it, it has happened in this series. And, you know, even you, you think about the games uh, in Arlington game, like game three in Arlington where Houston, you know, clearly, you know, they were the better team and they deserved to win, but the Rangers were so close to being in that game and, and making Houston think about it just as uh, was the case in game two uh, in Houston and game, and obviously in game six, the, the final score last night was uh, extremely misleading uh, given you know, the, the fact they broke it open in the ninth inning. But, uh, you know, we've got history. we got, you know, 2019 uh, all over again uh, where uh, Washington and Houston played in the World Series and the home team did not win a game in that entire World Series. So certainly from the Rangers' standpoint, they're hoping that history repeats itself tonight. Chuck, uh, to college football now, the biggest story is off the field uh, right now where Michigan is embroiled in a, in a scandal of videotaping signals and uh, Big Ten schools are saying that they've got video of, of Connor Stallions uh, entering the stadium, that they've proven that he's bought tickets to 11 of the 14 other teams. Your thoughts on how the NCAA should handle this and what they may actually be able to do because they don't really work swiftly. Well, that's a very good point. <laughs> they don't work swiftly. And, you know, if it took them six years to resolve the Kansas basketball matter uh, in the manner that it did, um, and, you know, and there was some incredible reporting on that, uh, which basically said that Bill Self was going to uh, give up coaching in the 2022 NCAA tournament as part of uh, any penalty. And basically the NCAA said no after the IARP did what it was going to do. So there, there's no power here. They're, they're feckless. They have no teeth. They can't. They can't do anything. I mean, Michigan can stretch this out as long as they want to, or certainly until Jim Harbaugh goes back into the NFL, if, if that's what he wants to do. Um, I, I don't. I don't. I don't see anything happening here. I mean, if anything, it'll be the ultimate mild slap on the wrist, and let's go on. 
Chuck, we were just talking about the the amazing USC-Utah game from the other night, and uh, what a win for Kyle Whittingham and company, especially without some of their stars. But what did you make of just USC and and the way that game unfolded, but also the big brouhaha post-game about not allowing or not having players speak to the media? Well, you know, college is supposed to be about uh, learning and growing and handling yourself in an adult manner. And uh, I don't think Lincoln Riley did uh, himself or his players any good by handling that uh, in the manner that he did. Uh, as far as the game goes, I mean, it was phenomenal. And Utah is just so tough. They play so hard all the time. doesn't matter who's playing, not playing. I mean, they are the ultimate next man up team. And, you know, the fact that they're 6-1 and one in the league, 6-1 and one overall, I mean, they got a great chance to win the Pac-12. Uh, you know, in their final year there. I mean, are they the favorites in the Big 12 next year? <laughs> they may very well be. Um, Kyle Whittingham is just one of the great coaches in the game that uh, that very few people speak of, you know, in that vein. Uh, you know, he in, in a lot of ways, isn't he like Bill Snyder at Kansas State? You know, and, and Chris Kleiman at Kansas State now is a lot in that regard. Those are teams you don't want to play. Because you know what? They're never going to beat themselves. You have to go beat them. And, and USC found itself in a, in, a, in a really tough situation there. They you know, got behind, made a rally, got a great, great return from Zachariah France to set everything up. But in the end, uh, the, the bugaboo of USC and uh, Oklahoma before that with Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch, uh, it's just not worked and it doesn't matter how many different people they brought into the program the quality of the transfers listen everybody wanted bear alexander right from georgia mm-hmm. um, te- texas kid um bear alexander made the wor- one of the worst plays in the game it was a horrible play i mean and, and now you don't even get to play in the first half next week because you got called for targeting now i don't know i would not have called that particular play targeting but it, it was just it was a stupid play, an unnecessary play, undisciplined play at the worst possible time. And then Brian Barnes did what he did. And did you have any doubt that the kid was going to kick the field goal for Utah? I, I didn't. I didn't. And uh, so, you know, they're, they're kind of getting what they deserve. And now there's all this hullabaloo around Caleb Williams and should he shut it down because they're not going to win the national championship, this, that, and the other. It's just they're, they're a mess. And, um, you know, Sometimes I wonder if Lincoln Riley doesn't think that, you know, that Norman, Oklahoma, that actually looks that, – that's pretty good right now. That looks pretty good right about now. So, Chuck, I, it's hard enough for me to swallow the um, missing bowl games. I, I've, I've kind of now come to that, the grips that that happens now uh, with players who are going to probably be drafted. But shutting down – any thought about shutting him down because they can't win something, that just that's a taste I can't get out of my mouth. Um, I'm kind of there with you. you. You and I were brought up in an era of, you know, your parents told you you finish what you start, right? You go through the season, and the season is what the season is. And I understand there are business decisions to be made. And, you know, if you're, if you're a, uh, you know, a, a player like a running back or a linebacker where you know in football your lifespan is, is a lot shorter than it can be uh, at quarterback or receiver or something like that, you know, if you're if if you're that player, I can almost see you shutting it down because you may just have X number of snaps. But it's certainly as the leader of the football team, to then cut out and basically you know call your own number, 
uh, that doesn't sit well with me. Um, And I'm sure it doesn't sit well with, with many others. Yeah, Chuck, I I just, I I would bet on him not doing that until the, the bowl game. I mean, you know, that that's common practice now. Um, it just, it doesn't seem to me, I'm just maybe putting this on Caleb Williams because I maybe think highly of him, but I just don't think he's that dude that would do well, that. I mean, I, you know, I mean, he's, he, he's kind of an iconoclastic figure though. I mean, he's, you know, he'll, he's, he'll do his thing for sure. I mean, I don't, I don't know him well enough to tell you if he's that dude or not. I, I will say this, you know, he does have a father who likes to run his mouth and that certainly doesn't help matters. Chuck, your thoughts on uh, Texas and the news that Quinn Ewers is going to miss a little bit of time. Not exactly sure how long, but Malik Murphy and then, you know, Arch Manning right there waiting in the wings as well. It's been a good year despite that Oklahoma loss, but how do you see the rest of this way going for the Longhorns potentially? Well, you know, they said Malik Murphy had a great spring. We're about to find out if he's going to have a great fall. Hmm. Um, He's obviously athletically gifted. But I, as much as I think we all want to put this on the quarterback, you know, Texas has got some, some significant injury problems in the secondary right now, uh, which, again, playing in this league is never a good thing. Um, and I think a lot of this is going to come down to, to Sark. And, and frankly, not even so much how Malik Murphy plays, but how Sark manages him. And, you know, you look at that game last week, they're up 21 nothing. They're in total control of the game. And then, you know, Sark calls for the, the fake field goal and when he didn't have to do it. I mean, they're going to they're gonna make it. And they're going to go up 24, and the game's going to be over. And they missed it, and Houston went down the field and scored, and the game is on. And the game really got on, and to the point where, frankly, Texas ultimately was lucky to win the game. <laughs> got a pretty great break from the officials, and it should never come down to that. And I think if, if there is – a knock that I would have on, on Sark, you know, since he's been there he's recruited great. He's recruited correctly. Uh, and I do think his, his guys play extremely hard. I do think his, his second half play calling and how they play in the second half of games, um, is, is, is not good. And that's something that's got to change that, that that's something they've got to be able to figure out in, in order to better finish games than, than how they've done that here lately. What, let's go back to what you said about Whittingham, and also you brought up Chris Kleiman, because I saw a tweet you had over the weekend. If you had one of those two that you could choose from, uh, could you could you lose with either one if you had those two to add to your uh, to you, become you, a head coach? You're telling me to ask among kids? Come on now, really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, really? No, you, you 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 will not lose. You will not lose. Listen, you know what, Kyle Whittingham. I think he's he's the second longest tenured coach now in college in uh, in college football in Division One uh, behind Kirk Ferentz. Frankly, I don't know how he continues to have his job given that offense, uh, but somehow they managed to win a bunch of games. But they're <laughs> awful. Uh, Utah is not awful. I mean, Utah uh, was able to to move up in class, you know, in, into the into a Power Five conference and be a great team. And I mean, you know, been to the Rose Bowl twice. May go to the Rose Bowl again this year. I mean, who knows? Maybe, who knows? Maybe there's something bigger in the in their future, depending on what happens in November. Because let's face it, in the Pac-12, you're going to play any number of games here in in November that people are going to pay attention to. It's it's the best league in the country this year. It really is, and I I don't think that anybody really can debate that. Um, 
And Chris Kleiman, I mean, he now he really even more than Whittingham, he reminds me of Bill Snyder, and where his teams certainly remind me of Bill of the best Bill Snyder teams at Kansas State. They don't make mistakes; they just beat the ever living hell out of you. And you, you just you you you're looking for the license plate of that Mack truck that just ran over you when you're playing them. Chuck Cooperstein, again, ESPN uh, broadcast voice of the Mavericks with us on Sikkim 365 Radio. Chuck, what do you think of uh, Nick Saban navigating, you know, the, I mean, and this is this is not like a, a precipitous drought, but the least talented team he's had overall, but continue to find ways to win and, and coaching around their deficiencies? Well, I mean, the league isn't very good this year. Uh, and, and, and to be honest with you, I mean, if we take an even – bigger picture 30,000 foot picture I mean who's really good in college football this year I'm not sure there's anybody who's really good anybody that you look at and say that team's not losing uh, I mean I, I don't see that team uh, you know to Saban's credit and to his staff's credit you know what they they got Jalen Mil- uh, you know Jalen Milrow Mil- rebuilt uh, you know, after getting getting benched the week after the the uh, South Florida game, which was just a horrific a horrific show. Um, well, I guess he was benched for the South Florida game. He didn't play in that game, but they were just awful. Um, and then you know, but how do you figure? Like they play that game they played like against Arkansas last week, and then Arkansas plays a seven three game with Mississippi State and loses that game. I mean, I I don't know how good the competition is, but I will give them credit. You know, for basically, you know, we talk about Sark struggling in the second half. Well, Alabama figures it out in the second half. You know, they, they certainly figured it out against Tennessee on Saturday, and they, you know, they did it against Arkansas as well. Um, you know, they, they've done it a bunch of times this year, where even against Texas, they were much better in the second half than they were in the first half of that game. So, you know, to their credit, uh, he, they've been able to get some things done. But, I mean – I, I can see Alabama. I can certainly see Alabama losing to LSU. I can see that game. I mean, I can see. I can see them losing to Auburn. I, well, maybe they won't lose to Auburn because Auburn has no offense. But certainly, they can. They can lose to Georgia. I mean, this could certainly be a, a three or four loss Alabama team. I don't think that's out of the question. The fact that they've gotten to this point with uh, only one loss. Uh, you know, the one loss being the Texans. Well, you know, give them credit for that. I mean, they lost to a good team. So. Uh, but they're they're certainly not invincible by any stretch, but I certainly don't look at them as national championship worthy by any stretch. Chuck, as many people know, you are a proud Florida Gator. Gators have the world's largest outdoor cocktail party coming up against Georgia, one of those teams who's undefeated and number one, but like, how good are they? Are they unbeatable? Probably not. Uh, your thoughts on the Gators, though, and, and what you've seen with this 5-2 and two start, win over Tennessee, couple of tough losses, but uh, how are you feeling about the direction uh, of the program right now? Well, Georgia Georgia will still be undefeated after this week. Too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, 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 there, there are there are no illusions here at all. Um, but as far as Florida's program, I think off the field, I think Billy Napier's doing exactly what he was brought in here to do. He's brought order. Uh, he's brought a he's brought a structure and built an infrastructure that looks like a modern college football program. Uh, Florida was way, way behind and it should never have been, but, you know, first Jim McElwain and then, you know, Dan Mullen, um, and even to a certain degree, you know, Will Muschamp, uh, you know, really over the last 10 years, I mean, they, they've just not been 
where they they should be, given the the history of the program, uh, the state that they're in, the conference that they play in, uh, the recruits that are available to them. Uh, Billy Billy's done a terrific his recruiting class this year. Again, I don't follow recruiting all that much, but um, you know, all I know is I keep I keep seeing they they got like the second best quarterback in the country. They got the third best defensive end in the country. You know they uh, they got you know the big defensive tackle that can uh, can shut people down. I, I think he's building it the right way. My issue with Billy right now is is the stuff that happens really on the field. He he wants to be everything. He, he wants to be the offensive coordinator. He wants to be the quarterback coach. Uh, you know, he needs to be the head coach. Uh, Florida doesn't have a special teams coordinator. They divide up their special teams. And uh, oftentimes it relates, it, it uh, devolves into absolute chaos, uh, frankly, on the field. And, you know, they, they, had a, they had a heck of a win, you know, two weeks ago at South Carolina. Frankly, it was a win that probably – you know, at least for a month anyway, got the Wolves off of Billy's back because he had they lost that game, and it would have meant the only road win that they would have had in Billy's tenure would have been at A and M last year. Uh, that would not have been good. Um, and, and again, I don't know how good South Carolina is for that. I mean, South Carolina doesn't play much defense, but Florida's offense is it's not it's not the offense that people have become have come to expect. It's not explosive at all. It's 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 a dink and dunk from Graham Mertz, who then, when he had to make a play last uh, against South Carolina, did make a play, uh, did get the ball down the field. They have good receivers. They have good runners. There's just not a lot of imagination in the offense at all. And you know, so to get that, uh, try to get that figured out. I think the the, the uh, Austin Armstrong hiring the, the young defense coordinator. I think he's going to be good. I think he is good. I think that he's he's got some aggression uh, in that unit that wasn't there uh, last year, but um, I, I, they're they're still very very much a work in progress. Uh, you know, there no one is going to confuse them with the Urban Meyer Gators of two thousand eight. Chuck, uh, are you okay with them just letting Graham Mertz wear fifteen like that when they got the statue right outside? I I was kind of surprised well, that number's not retired. Well, they, they Florida doesn't retire numbers. Okay. I mean, they they you know you got guys wearing eleven Spurrier's number. You got guys wearing seven Danny Warfel's number. So, I mean, you just just expect it. That's just the way it is. Chuck, back to Game Seven tonight, Astros and Rangers. You've done and broadcast many games over the years, and I'm sure I've attended Game Sevens even as a fan or a, a, a covering a game. Is there one that's more memorable to you than any others? Well, my favorite game seven was the Mavericks in San Antonio uh, as a broadcaster in 2006 uh, when the Mavericks built a 20-point lead, blew the lead, uh, looked like they were going to lose, and then uh, Dirk with 20 seconds to go got fouled by Manu Ginobili on a three-point play, tied the game, the Mavericks won in overtime, and obviously went on to the finals. I mean, that, the, the, the wave of emotion in that building from absolute despair to uh, absolute ecstasy, and then to complete devastation when the Mavericks won. Um, there's nothing like it. I mean, it is. It's it's you know it's it's do or die. You're, you're in or you're out. Uh, you know, as a fan, my favorite Game Seven uh, was Willis Reed's Game Seven mm-hmm. as a kid in in 1970 when the Knicks won the the NBA championship against the Lakers. Um, but Game Game Sevens are cool. I mean, it's it's all on the line. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see just how well Max Scherzer handles this tonight. Uh, you know, he obviously wasn't very good in game three, 
but they need him to be good tonight. They don't. I don't know. They need him to be great, but they they need they need to be able, I think, to get five innings out of him. And if they can do that, you know, then you can bring you can bring Jordan Montgomery into the game at that point because this is a bullpen day for him, and um, and and go try to win the game that way and try to uh, you know keep your bullpen as far away from the action as possible because I don't know about you my, my <laughs> blood pressure is just totally through the roof when 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 uh, when Nathan Valdi got pulled last night for yep. Josh Spores and you know Spores has been great he's been really 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 good in the postseason but when Valdi's thrown like that and he gets taken out on a soft dinker by by Altuve to me that that's just right I'm I'm gonna ride or die with that guy until he tells me he can't go anymore yeah I but agree. That's, that's you know that's not that's not baseball today but but it's an all hands on deck night for everybody, and uh, I can't wait to see who's going to be a hero. I, somebody's going to be a hero tonight. I just don't know if I emotionally can go to another series if they win tonight. I guess I'll have to find a way to get myself in fan shape because it's been so long. But that's just me watching the Rangers you know, for years. But, well, right. You know, but it's interesting. Like uh, you know, when the Mavericks a couple of years ago when they when they beat Phoenix in the second round. Uh-huh. And then you know you're going you're you're going on to play Golden State. I mean you know they're they're the Warriors. You know they're they know they were obviously they weren't good the year before, but they're still you know they 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 got that rep. But it, it it felt like so much was already accomplished by beating Phoenix and the, and the rivalry that existed in that series and winning Game Seven the way they won Game Seven. It was almost like what happened afterward didn't matter, and yet it obviously matters because those games are even more important. Mm-hmm. Yep. Coop, thank you as always, buddy. Great to have you on the show whenever we can. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Take care. Chuck Cooperstein, voice of the Dallas Mavericks with us, known him for years. Great broadcaster. Appreciate his time on 365 Sports. This has been a Rogue Media Network production. 